0: It's really good to be with you this morning, fiddling with all my stuff. Um, whether you're yeah, here in person or joining us online, it's so good to gather together and to be able to worship and experience community together. I'm really excited about this morning, and I'm really happy this morning to be able to continue this sermon series that those of us on the preaching team are really excited about. We're calling it Simply Jesus, God's Answer to Our Deepest Longings. The whole idea of this sermon series, in essence, is kind of just to say that the old Sunday school answer of Jesus is true. (laughs) Jesus is God's answer to our deepest longing, but the Sunday school answer is true in a way that is so incredibly deep and rich, and we want to explore that together. And the way that we're exploring that is by looking at the I am statements in the gospel of John. So far, we've looked at uh, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to be looking at an I am statement that I think is a little more strange, probably a little less intuitive, where Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. So we're going to be thinking about Jesus as a door. So get, get pumped, okay? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Our text for this morning is from John chapter 10. If you have Bibles with you or if you look at your Bible on, you know, one of those newfangled apps, then that's great too. Uh, John chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So here in this passage, Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep, or I am the door for the sheep. The word for gate and door is the same in Greek. And this metaphor, I think, is very strange to us, but it was actually one that would have been much more readily understandable to the people who were originally hearing it because they were more familiar with the the practices of shepherding. One of those practices was that sometimes, especially when shepherds had their flocks out away from the towns in the very rural areas, is that in those places, there might be kind of like a makeshift sheep pen that only has, you know, three walls and an open space. Or sometimes shepherds would literally just for the night build kind of makeshift um, fences out of brushes or sticks or whatever. And in those situations, it was common practices for a shepherd to literally sleep in the opening, just lie down on the ground in the opening and literally be a gate or a door for the sheep. So... I think this, par- this uh, parable or this figure of speech would have been much more easily understandable to these people, but for us, the way that I want us to think about this and unpack it is to think about what do doors do? Okay? What do doors do? You didn't come to church this morning thinking that you were going to get a philosophical analysis of the function of doors, but we have fun when we read the Bible here. So that's that's what we're doing. It's a strange definition of fun, but. Roll with me. Uh, so I think that doors, doors really do three things. Doors keep things out, right? There's an a area that's enclosed, and doors keep things out of that area. Doors serve as a transition between the areas. And then doors keep things in to a space, right? So doors serve these three purposes. They keep things out, they serve as a transition, and they keep things in. And I think when Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep, he does all three of those three things in this figure of speech. So let's unpack this together. First of all, doors keep things out. In the context of this passage, what is Jesus the door or the gate keeping out? In the metaphor, he says that anyone who does not enter by the gate is a thief and a bandit. Jesus says the door keeps out the thieves and the bandits. In verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So the door is keeping out thieves and bandits who come to steal and kill and destroy. Who are these thieves and bandits? Well, to answer this question, we have to realize that John chapter 10 is really connected to John chapter 9. Uh, The the chapter numbers were not originally there when, when John wrote this gospel. This is all one big story. And in John chapter 9, the people who are kind of the thieves and the bandits are the Pharisees. And the reason that they're the thieves and the bandits is because they are consistently teaching things that are untrue. Just in chapter 9, the Pharisees um, get mad at Jesus because they think healing on the Sabbath is wrong. They think that physical ailments are always the result of sin. They don't believe the experience of a blind man who is healed. They refuse to listen to someone who they think is beneath them. And then they don't recognize their own blindness. In John chapter 10, when Jesus is talking about these thieves and bandits who come to steal and kill and destroy, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about people who are spreading falsehood and lies. So when Jesus says that he is the door for the sheep, he is saying that in the face of falsehoods and lies, he speaks truth to us. Now, this is something that I think we all know could be illustrated in countless ways. There are countless ways that we experience falsehood and lies in, on a daily basis, and, and Jesus speaks truth to us in those, But, but one that I've been kind of thinking about and and I think that God has put on my heart recently is what what I'm going to call the lie of performance or perfection. I think this is one that abounds in the circles that many of us travel in, this lie that you always have to perform and that you always have to be perfect. It certainly exists in my field. I'm a PhD student in the academy, and we have this like publish or perish mantra where you always have to be researching and teaching and publishing and presenting at conferences and writing articles. And if you really want to be a good academic, you also need to have a presence on Twitter that's both serious and witty, and you probably should be producing your own podcast at the same time. But it, it's, it's more than just in the academy. I think. We see it in social media, where people are, you know, smoothing out their skin with Facetune or editing the shape of their body because if you want to be relevant, you've got to have that dump truck, right? <laughs> I think um, I think it's all over this New York City area where... Your identity is found in how successful you are, in the title of your job, in the number of letters after your name, or the number of people who are beneath you. I think I see it a lot in something that, um, I didn't come up with this term, but I I forgot where I heard this term from, but uh, something that can be called productivity porn, right? This uh, sort of World of like advice that says you need to be insanely productive in this really unrealistic way. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot in this one thing that's gone viral on TikTok. Uh, yes, I confess that I spend too much time scrolling on TikTok. Um, there's this like challenge that has somewhat gone viral on TikTok called 75 Hard, and the idea of this challenge is that for 75 days you have to do this list of things, and if you mess it up, then you have to go back over and start the 75 days over. You have to stick to a diet with no alcohol, drink a gallon of water a day, do two 45-minute workouts every day, and one of them has to be outside. Um, You have to read at least 10 pages of a book every day, take a five-minute cold shower, and do random acts of kindness. Now, obviously, those you know, if you want to do those things, do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But we are, like, living in this world that holds us to these incredibly high and unrealistic standards of productivity. We live in this world that says you need to go out and you need to, like, be the lion, right, who is, who's, you know, uh, going through the pride lands. Struggling with words here. Um, I saw this recently. There was this article I came across. Article is strong. A blog post I came across that it was um, become a lion with these 10 daily rituals. Become a lion with these 10 daily rituals. Uh, Wake up before sunrise. Take cold showers. What? I don't understand this cold shower obsession. Uh, Read for one hour. Write down and complete all your daily tasks. Don't waste any time on social media or TV or your phone. Eat healthy according to a schedule. Exercise. Follow your purpose. One of them was, show others why you're a beast, which included the sentence, when it's Saturday night and others are out partying, the lion is grinding. And then do something to scare yourself every day. This idea that like we need to be so productive that every Saturday night, you need to be grinding, right? And you need to go out, and you need to be the lion, and you need to catch your prey, and it's all false. Sisters and brothers, you are not your productivity. You are not your performance. You are not your successes, and you are not your failures. You are not your title. You are not your career. And in fact, in John chapter 10, you are not called to be the lion. You are the sheep. And that is good news. I think in many ways, maybe the most countercultural thing we can say at this moment in history is be a sheep. For the past year and a half, I've heard like all of this. Don't be a sheep, right? Don't be a sheep. Do your own research. Don't be a sheeple. Don't follow the crowd. <sighs> the truth of the gospel, though, is that we are sheep, and that's good. We have to be honest about the fact that we are fragile human beings who cannot live to these insane standards, but we are so, so deeply loved and cared for in spite of all of our sheepness. So much more than we can imagine. Jesus is the door who keeps out these lies and speaks truth to us in the face of them. Jesus, as the door, also serves as this transition thing, one of the things that doors do. What does it mean to sort of transition through the door of Jesus? I think it's, the answer here is pretty simple on one hand. It's to believe in Jesus. Moving through the door of Jesus means believing in Jesus. But That's a term that Christians throw around a lot with believing in Jesus, but what does that actually mean? I think studying the gospel of John gives us a fun opportunity to look more deeply into this because John uses the word to believe 98 times in this gospel. It's a very big part of John's theology, but John uses the word to believe in some interesting ways. First of all, John uses the word to believe, the verb, 98 times, but John never uses the word belief or faith. The noun, John never uses it. In John, believing is a verb. It's not just mental assent to a a list of truth propositions, but verb is something, uh, to believe is something that you live out. Also, John in, in Greek, there's a way to sort of, the best approximation in English would be there's a way to say, like, to believe something and then to believe in something. And John uses believe in, especially with Jesus, believe in Jesus way more often than John uses believe Jesus. Uh, what sort of helps this click in my mind is, is thinking about this hypothetical. Imagine, like, you have a coworker. Named I don't know Steve, and um, and someone asks, "Do you believe Steve?" Right? If you hear the, the question, "Do you believe Steve?" It's it's do I agree that Steve is saying something that's true? That's kind of the connotation of that question. But if I ask you, "Do you believe in Steve?" Right now, it's do I trust Steve? Do I have confidence in him? And that's the language that John uses with Jesus. Not just do you think what he says is true, but do you have confidence in him? There's also a couple of times in the Gospel of John where the word believe is put in parallel with come to. In John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John puts these verbs come to and believe in in parallelism, Because in John's mind, they're the same thing. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. For John, to come to Jesus and to believe in Jesus are the same thing. The New Testament scholar Raymond Brown puts it this way. He says, to believe in may be defined in terms of an active commitment to a person and in particular to Jesus. It involves much more than trust in Jesus or confidence in him. It is an acceptance of Jesus and of what he claims to be and a dedication of one's life to him. For us to go through the door of Jesus means we don't need to only believe Jesus, although we should, but we need to believe in jesus do you have that confidence in jesus do you have that commitment to jesus in the face of of everything you're going through the final thing that doors do is doors keep in doors keep things in uh, John chapter 10 verse 9 Jesus says I am the gate whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. This is the thing the door is keeping in. the door is keeping in pasture. The place where the sheep can graze, where they can find life, where they can find abundance, where they can be safe and where they can be whole. I think the best way to illustrate the kind of pasture that Jesus is talking about in this passage is actually to look at another passage in the Bible, a passage that is maybe the greatest piece of poetry ever written, Psalm 23. Listen to the kind of life that the psalmist describes here in Psalm 23 and this is what Jesus is saying to us is is inside the gate. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't need to tell you that we live in a crazy world. One that is full of chaos and disease, injustice and racism, struggles and inequalities, guilt and shame, fear and uncertainty. But, friends, in Jesus, there are green pastures. In Jesus, the grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greenest right beneath your feast. There is peace and there is rest. And there is abundance, and certainly this doesn't mean that every single one of our problems g- will suddenly be perfect and will immediately go away. This isn't a health and a wealth prosperity gospel sermon, and these evils remain in the world while we are in the world. But, but it does mean that when we are with Jesus, our cups overflow, our souls are restored, our heads are anointed i could i could keep going on and and talk about you know what it means to live in these green pastures in an abstract way but i i want to give us a moment to to try and experience it i'm going to ask the ask the band to come up now and i want to give us a moment to just rest in So what I would like for you to do, whether you're joining us online or in this room, is just take a moment and close your eyes. Put your hands out in front of you with your palms up. And I would like you to just take a moment and just offer to Jesus whatever the chaos in your life is right now. Just take a moment and give to Jesus your Stress. Give to Jesus your struggles. Give to Jesus your misplaced identities, the unrealistic expectations. Now, keeping your your eyes closed, I want you to just listen and to receive these truths from Jesus. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you Know. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even though youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Jesus, we thank you that you are the door for us sheep. With you, there is nothing that we lack. You make us lie down in green pastures and you lead us beside still waters and you restore our souls. You lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Jesus, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear the evil because you are with us Your rod and your staff they comfort us You anoint our heads with oil and our cups overflow Jesus surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of your lives of our lives and we will dwell with you forever